this one I'm going to put out because it's a type of confession, I guess. No sugar, no grain, NSNG as I call it, and that's a son of a for damn sure. So once in a while you get in a mood. In fact, I've been one kind of long enough. I will try to behave myself. Here, let's talk nicely about someone. Let's talk nicely about Timothy Renner from Schindler's Podcast. That's a good place to start. This podcast, if you haven't listened to it, you like the word strange, you're listening to Strange Brow. Now go listen to Strange Familiar's radio. He's helping us out, both us running a commercial for us, and he's a, an excellent source of knowledge, a musician, an artist, and an author, and he kind of broke the ground here for this flat band phenomenon. If you haven't listened to the previous podcast we did with Timothy, check that out. Six cigarettes in it. We had the plaid man or the men in plaid, which is a previous podcast that you can check that one out too. And that was kind of more like a men in black, men in plaid scenario. This is like a, a woodsman, a Twin Peaks type woodsman. So, like a harbinger of sorts. Anyway, he broke ground on this and it's really quite fascinating. So, check out Strange Familiar's podcast and listen to those particular tales along the Robin and I are, uh, we just got back from something to eat, and Robin and I had been talking on and off, gosh, for the last almost seven or eight years, if mm-hmm. not closer to 10, mm-hmm. and I know a little bit about Robin's incidences that she's had over the years, but you've had a pretty incredible life, Robin. Tell us a little bit about, uh, okay. well, let's, let's go with, uh, I see now I have a potpourri of incredible events that we can talk about. And yes, it would be easy here to, to go specifically with Sasquatch, but um, have you ever spoken on the record about some of the things that have happened to you? Uh, yes. Okay, good. So this won't be out of left field if I ask you, for example, to tell the people about being struck by lightning. Right, okay. You okay. want me to start with that? Let's start with that. Okay, I was in the Coast Guard in uh, for 21 years, and in the mid-90s, I think it was 96, I mean, 86 or 87, I was stationed in New Orleans. I was working a freighter, and the chief engineer was having a heart attack. And it was a pretty bad lightning storm. We tried not to answer calls, but the guy's dying. So I answer him. I'm, this is back in the days of telegraphy. I was using a telegraph key. I was in the Morse code position in a, a Coast Guard military radio station. And we talked 500 miles usually an out. We talked to the merchant ships and cruise ships and stuff like that. And um, I just sent him Morse code, the instructions for uh, the helicopter, because I was sending a helicopter. And right as I finished it, 
I got hit. Um, it threw me across the room. When I came to, my radio was on fire. My two co-workers had run in with fire extinguishers and were putting it out, and they were all, you know, you could see the whites of their eyes. They were pretty freaked out. I'm laying on the floor flapping like a fish because I'm convulsing, and then they put out the fire, come stand over me, and they're like, oh, my God, is she still alive? And I, I, I couldn't talk. Um, for a while, I couldn't control anything. I couldn't nod my head or anything else. I had waist length, longer than waist length, long hair, and I used three-inch long metal hairpins, and they were stuck in the ceiling and the walls to the point where the guys had to go use some pretty heavy-duty wrenches to pull out my hairpins. So your hairpins flew off of the top of your head and the sides of your head, kind of like darts. My hair was out to here. She's She's holding her arms out a good three feet. Yeah, it looked like a, the cartoon image of someone getting zapped and their hair standing straight out. My hair stayed like that for almost an hour. Um, and I was flopping for a long time. Okay, I'm, I'm laying there, my hair's out, I'm flopping on the floor, and my two co-workers, I'm the first girl at this unit. The protocol is you have to make sure that you don't explosively break bones, have big gaping wounds. So these poor guys, one's trying to hold me down and the other one's having to pull up my uniform and check me. And they're like, sorry, sorry, please don't, please don't hit us later, you know. Wow. And uh, they check me out and then after a while they realize I, ha- I only have a bird mark out my left ankle and the entrance uh, burn was on my, the three fingers of my left hand that were on the telegraph key. Um, when I finally get a chance to really examine the place, I realize that the telegraph key, the metal parts are melted onto the glass c- counter, the glass sheet of glass over the countertop. Um, little ceramic, little ceramic ball thing that was the tapper for the more the telegraph key. That's sitting there. Everything else is pretty much melted, warped metal. Um, okay. Uh, what Did else? you guys have any advanced knowledge that the, there was a storm? Brewing? Oh yeah, we could we, we could hear it. Everybody yeah. else was standing down. No extraneous broadcasting was going on. Okay. Um, but and that thing came from like five miles away. It burned through like a hundred foot long. First it came down a hundred foot tower, then underground and through all these cables and surge protectors and whatever other um, things to try and uh, keep a lightning strike from destroying things because it happened often enough. It's an occupational hazard. Right. Anyway, yeah, so um, I didn't think anything of it for years. I didn't even think it was a big deal. I forgot about it completely. A lot of lightning strike victims don't even know they've been hit. It erases your memory. I mean, I'm lucky I remember. So what is your last memory before that happened? Um, Me sending the helicopter instructions. Okay. I don't know if I finished them completely, but I I got it enough because uh, that knocked all our transmitters out. Me getting hit knocked down all the transmitters from Morse code, I think in voice, too. But, um, yeah, so we couldn't answer them anyway, but the helicopter was in the air, and the guys in voice went talked to the helicopter, and the helicopter told the ship. So then you're medevaced out immediately? No. No. no what happened? I, well, I was flopping and unable to talk for about an hour, twitching, flopping, and then um, I couldn't talk till many hours later i it threw the language center of my brain off that so was the weird you, you part. become conscious but yet your speech is gone i can i cannot eventually i could nod my head yes and no but i couldn't like coordinate enough to actually talk for hours I, did you know what had happened had they told you no, like no i didn't know i figured you know seeing the burn spot and the radio on fire you know right right that's a good <laughs> and, sign and 
My hair stayed out for like an almost an hour. I kept trying to pull it back down. It was, it felt like the worst case of goosebumps you ever had in your life. All that was, uh, all the little muscles in your, your head that cause your, you know, cause you right, to get right. goosebumps, were just stuck like that. It was nasty. It took hours for that to go away. Okay, so then you're rushed to the hospital. No. When did that happen? The corpsman, I talked to the corpsman on the phone, and he said, okay, if anything else happens, call or come in. It was the start of my day off. I had a four-day string of days off. <laughs> Wait and a second. I did Wait not want to stick around. I could have died. The Coast Guard did not send you to the hospital? No. No. Is there any record of this in your medical There's books? probably the log, and it's it's like an incidental note when I every time I got a four-year physical, you know, su- subject struck by lightning. <laughs> But this isn't a part of your, and tell me if I'm being too nosy, part of uh, disability? I'm fighting with the VA over it right now because my teeth and my bones all have really deep cracks. I didn't know it till I got a lot, till I retired. The, the VA doctor that examined me when I retired, this crusty old army doctor, Codger, he was hilarious. He threw my x-rays on a light table, turned it on, pointed at it, and said, fall from a great height, electrocuted, or struck by lightning. I'm like... Huh? How can you tell? And that's when he started showing me all the cracks in my bones. And I was like, oh, oh my, my God, this is 20 years later. This wow. happened when I was 21 or 22. So you have a paper trail. Somewhat, yeah. 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 But my teeth are all disintegrating. I'm in a Navy dental manual that was published in 2002. I don't know if it still exists as a lightning strike victim. They actually came, put some funny colored light in my mouth, blue, green, something like that, that would show all the cracks. Robin has a terrific smile, so you can't tell, but this is like on a close-up examination. Yeah, you can can see it, I think, with black light. But um, anyway, over the years, I've been going to Mexico and getting my teeth redone because the (laughs) deep cracks in my teeth, they're just disintegrating. My brother, who also was struck by lightning, uh, he lost all his teeth years ago. So this is a family tradition. Almost. <laughs> and yeah, the other radio operators in the Coast Guard used to tease me and call me Sparky. Spar- okay, Sparky. We'll call you that just for the remainder of this point here. Tell the people about the electronic phenomena around you. You were describing how you wear a Rolex, Rolex watch because it's a watch that you have to, to, you know, goes on continuous motion. You don't have to worry about a battery. But there's other things as well that seem to fizzle out when Changes you're around. My, it changed my polarity it, from positive to negative. And also, if you use a electronics multimeter on me, um, if you shift it to ohms, most humans register in the four to seven range. Um, until very recently, until almost 30 years after the strike, I measured zero or one. And it used to freak out the electronics technicians. That was my parlor trick. Give me a multimeter and let me hold the leads. Oh, gosh. Okay. But other things are happening. Computers, uh, watches. Computers, watches, small electronics, um, early cell phones, I would sh- somehow, they would just die. Uh, yeah. Now, a lot of people say this happens, but you actually have. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when, I mean, you have the, the receipts to prove it. The years after the uh, strike, I was going through probably three to five watches a year until one of my coworkers whose family uh, were jewelers, and he said, you need a Rolex. He's like, you'll never have to buy anything again, and if it acts up, they'll fix it. So I was like, good enough. So I saved up and bought one, and I've worn it for like 25 years. I'm not wearing it today. No. I, I have an iWatch on, and I'm afraid I'm going to fry it. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's taking a lot of chances with the spendy watch. Yeah. How about other electronics, being around computers? How about cars? 
Do you shut down uh, cars? And not cars, um, other electronics. And I've had a whole bunch of new, near misses, mm-hmm. which is another reason they called me Sparky. I would be talking to someone on the radio, set the microphone down, and the and the radio would get hit by lightning. <laughs> yeah, six times that's wow. happened. Six times that I can recall well, and it's probably happened many more times. But my goers used to be my electron. The guys who fixed the radios would make me go sit by myself and uh, catch up on type typing and stuff if there was a thunderstorm they didn't want me on the radios <laughs> and my technician on the ship would be like don't touch it how about anything extra sensory have you ne- did you notice after that time that things changed for you as far as no. visionary no or that senses? that didn't add anything but um no i've always i've always been able to see <laughs> dead people to a certain extent my whole life but that was before and yeah, after the yeah. lightning it hasn't yeah. increased no it was actually more when I was younger. It's kind of faded lately. Okay. Well, describe, describe that. Okay. The, the first time I realized, really, really realized that, uh, that I was seeing people that no one else could see, I was eight years old and I was on the USS Arizona. And you're not allowed. It's the Arizona Memorial. It's the, the wreck of the ship in Pearl Harbor. And you're not allowed to be there unless you're part of a work party in dress uniform, anything but dress uniform. And I saw these three guys that had hair too long, wearing weird uniforms, World War II era dungaree uniforms. One of them had brown boots on, and one of them just had an undershirt and leaning on a mop, just watching people watch it. And so I poked my dad. I'm like, Dad, I'm like, what are those three guys doing there? What three guys? Um, the three guys that aren't wearing proper, they're wearing a work uniform, and one of them he doesn't even have a shirt, and dads, my dad's looking at me going, what, where? He doesn't see him. I poke my brother. He doesn't see him. But since I described them, all of a sudden, all three of them are looking at me like, oh, you see us, and I'm terrified. I'm hiding behind my dad. And then a few more, you know, half a minute goes by, and I blink, they're gone. They're gone. But... That was the first time it was like, okay, I compare, you know, nobody mm-hmm. else could see them. I could see them. That was freaky. So you're, you're considering the fact that those were ghosts from the Arizona yes. still yes. watching over their ship. Hanging out, people watching in the did, memorial. <laughs> did they look as though they were cognizant that they were dead? Yeah. yeah. They did? Yeah. Okay. I think they knew they were dead. They were people watching. They were just kind of sitting there, goofing off. One of them's kind of leaning on a mop and bucket. Uh-huh. And you say long hair on another one? Well, long, well, we too cons- long, too too yeah. long for our uniform right. regulations at right. the time. Below the ears. Yeah, one of them yeah. had like bangs that came to like here. And right. Okay, over. she's showing me right now. Or swept over, like almost a, like bangs, and okay. they were way past his eyebrow. Let's put it that way. They were almost in his eyes. Right. Okay, so that was your one of your most powerful experiences. They, one of them had his Dixie cup dyed dark blue, and for years I couldn't figure that was out. Was that a thing? Yeah, for the blackout, you couldn't walk around on a ship at night oh. with white Dixie cups showing. They would they would dip them in blue or black dye. But for years, when I was a kid, I was like, that bothered me. And the brown boots. I didn't know that aviators wore brown shoes. All I ever saw was my daddy wore black. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it bothered me. It wasn't until the World War II and color series started coming out on like History Channel like right, 20 right. years the ago. Ken Burns thing. And I was like... That's them. That's what they were wearing. They're dressed like this. Wow. And that's when I realized, holy, you know, it's the guys from the Arizona. Those are the, you know, those are some of the guys who died that day. 
And so here it is. Your dad isn't seeing what you're seeing. Your family mm -mm. isn't seeing it. Mm -mm. You're too young probably to even recognize that maybe you're seeing things that other people aren't in general. That, that leads up to where when you're a teenager and on through college. Okay. Well, over the years, I would sometimes see people, um, you know, that weren't wearing the right clothes. I noticed that as a little kid. I used to point out, out to out my of, mother. Out of date. Yeah, out of, okay. out of, out of time. Sometimes okay. I was seeing people dressed in like 1900s clothes. Okay. And after a while, I realized it wasn't costume. But, um, but I've been able to feel them most of my life. My dad, my dad has seen a couple too. Um, so he. So your dad didn't necessarily think you were a liar. No, no, no. My dad didn't think I was nuts. He thought it was unusual, but right. you know, he'd he'd seen his own. He right. he saw somebody on one of his ships. A friend. Okay. So he's describing that to you mm -hmm. uh, as you're growing up. Is your, at this time, do you know if any of your siblings or your mother at all had this ability? My mom does not. Okay. Um, my youngest brother, yes, and my middle brother, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if it helps any, I think some of my ancestors were burned at the stake as witches, so maybe oh. somebody else had the ability too, and it wow. got, and it this got took them in a, trouble. A big yeah. left turn here. Wait, wait yeah. a second. So you think that you have family members that were in the Salem witch trial? Um, other Ma Massachusetts Bay colony issues. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm descended from the Mayflower people. Yeah. Okay, so you yeah. And I looked. I, I, I've gone through and looked at them, and it's like, but, you know, a lot of times witchcraft was just bad politics. You didn't get along with your neighbors, and they yeah. had a grudge. <laughs> right. Now, is there a name associated where you've looked back, like this was the I name that was passed down? their names. I could swear one of them was Prudence or Patience. Okay. I believe it started with a P. But um, <laughs> I, I looked when I was, like, in my early 20s because... My the fam, parts of the various members of the family were doing genealogy, and uh, you know right. they would publish what they would send around to everybody what they found. Mm -hmm. So that's when I was like, wait, a minute. I mean, um, had a had a male member of the family was executed as a witch too, but I really think that was politics. Oh, yeah, he was sleeping with somebody's be. wife. <laughs> yeah, there she goes. She's he's practicing sorcery. Strange Brown Radio presents. at a uh, Civil War fort in Mobile, Alabama once, and I was wandering around by myself on a weekend. My friends were camping on the beach at a campground next to it, and they just, honestly, they were just partying on the beach, and I was like, cool, an old fort. Anybody want to come with me? And they're like, no, we have beer here. <laughs> right. So, so I'm like, fine. Um, I'm wandering around the fort, and I get down in this, what was a magazine, and all of a sudden, you know, the hair on the back of your neck comes up and you get really cold. I took out my camera, and this is the days long before digital, and I'm taking pictures every direction because there's something here and I know it. Yeah. So I, and it, it finally got so bad, it was just creepy as hell, heck. I ran out, daylight, 
took a breath for a second, and then went back down. Nothing. No, nothing creepy, nothing at all. And so I went to the park rangers. I'm about 21 here. I go to the park ranger, and I said, do you have any ghosts here? And they're like, which one did you see? (laughs) And I told her I didn't see him, but I felt him. And she's like, be glad you don't see him. He doesn't have legs. Oh, no. It was some poor guy they dragged down to a safe place during a battle, and he bled to death before they could get to him. And people who see him say he's laying there going, help me, help me, help me. Oh. I might have heard help me, but I wasn't, I didn't know that before, so I was like, I thought I was imagining it. Yeah, it's too brutal to joke about. Yeah. So I won't. No. War is hell. And uh, uh, you got a glimpse at some of that. I have, um,. So you've also uh, had, uh, I mean, here we are in front of Biggie, uh, you know, this lifelike Sasquatch, at least I tried to. Um, You and I actually met through some Bigfoot uh, conferences and through some meetups and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. how did you get interested in the subject matter of Sasquatch and what do you think is going on? In about 2007, 8 my dad, who lives up in northern Washington, kind of close to Bellingham, um, had a garden in his backyard, and he would go down first thing in the morning, just to sun up, and turn off a drip sprinkler. Well, right. One morning he was doing that, and he noticed 23-inch long, brand new, fresh Bigfoot footprints through the dirt and on the grass where the, where the Bigfoot had stepped on grass and dirt the grass was still springing up. And oh, he turned really off the fresh. water, ran up to the house, and got his 30 odd six. <laughs> and Let's eventually, see. I heard about it. You know, I called to see, hey, what's going on? And um, the Bigfoot were screaming and throwing things at them when he went down to the garden. Right. They wouldn't let him down there anymore. And so that's when I started getting interested, started researching, started looking things up and meeting people. Yeah. Because, you know, my dad was freaked out and he thought he needed to shoot him. And I was like, don't you dare shoot him. You know, <laughs> but I was like, I don't think shooting him is going to make any, it anything but worse. But um, and from there, you know, my family that my dad, and my brother live up there, um, eventually kind of got to be friendly with them. And we met over time, five or six of them. And I used to go up and sit on his back porch and the Bigfoot would pe- be peeking, peeking around behind a tree and making funny noises at us, whistling. Right snap their teeth at us in the early days before we knew what was going on we were getting too close and they yeah. would, they would snap their teeth together and be like what's that noise you yeah but that sounds like an aggressive posture yeah, well it, it was some of the young males who were kind of like practicing but ev- eventually everybody got to be mostly friends there were some bigfoot that don't interact with people and you mm-hmm. know that was that's their choice and that's fine but um yeah a few of them there was an elder who was huge. Um, I never saw him. He didn't come down too often, but he was really, really big. Um, and then there were so, so the younger ones were the ones who mostly interacted with my dad and my brother. They liked music. My brother was in a band, and my dad got tired of having a garage band in his living room, so he built a band room on a soundproof band room on the other side of the garage. Okay. And local uh, local bar bands and stuff would would sign it out and use it to practice. The, my brother even had, I think, some recording equipment in there. But um, the Bigfoot would come and tap on my brother's window late at night 
and want him to play something. Really? They'd wake him up for yeah, or, having an open mic session? Yeah, basically. And he... And he'd cast it on, leave me alone, I don't feel like it. He wasn't real friendly to him. Wait, so it was this conversational between your family mm-hmm. that this was happening? My youngest brother. Okay. Yeah. And I'll, some of this was telepathic. I mean, I know that sounds nuts to a lot of people, but some Bigfoot are telepathic and you can talk to them and they talk back. Yeah, and you're okay saying that. You're very matter of fact about yeah. it. I know a lot of people don't, don't believe it, but the first time you have someone say, who are you and what are you doing here in your head, and you know it's not you, you know? Right. So when did you when did you know that about telepathy? Uh, well, my brother started hinting about it the first year, and I I wasn't sure. I didn't know if he was imagining it or what. Right. And then after finding more people and talking to people, and having one time I was I was hiking in the Central Cascades in Oregon. Right. And. Uh, we were out looking for Bigfoot because that's how we thought we should do it. And somebody <laughs> does a Bigfoot scream and somebody else did a, a this is the Bigfoot, not us. Um, someone, other Bigfoot makes a noise like a bird screeching. And I basically said, yeah, any minute now they're going to come screaming and chase us to the car. And that's when one of the Bigfoot said in my head, well, it's no fun if you know what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's true. So, you know. Now, when, okay, so describe for people the difference between your voice telling you that and telepathy. Well. How do you know the difference? Can you describe that? Because this seems to be the breakaway point. Like, I think I know what you mean, but since I've never had that happen, how, what, what, what are the subtle differences or the big differences between? Okay. It, it feels kind of weird. Um, it's... Sometimes it's in your voice, you know, the way you talk to yourself in your head, you know, when you're like, oh, I should have done this or whatever, you know, when you're, abs- you know, being distracted, thinking, right. talking to yourself because you're doing a grocery list or something. But um, no, but this was definitely not my speech. It wasn't my speech pattern. And I could just, I could just feel and tell it came from somebody else. Okay. It sounds nuts, but that's as good as I can describe it to you. Right. But I know, you know, especially when they're answering a question, or they answer a question and then start snickering, and you can hear them laughing, you know? The whole group of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They answer the question in my head, but I can hear them out mm-hmm. loud laughing. Right. Yeah. So does that, as far as their abilities, I mean, you're describing one attribute that would be puzzling. What are the other abilities you do, do you think they have? Not, not everybody's telepathic. Okay. Um, I'm not even sure all of them. I think they all can speak. Some choose not to. I've mm-hmm. heard, you've heard them speak, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sort of, but yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard them speak, and to me, it sounds like sounds like a native language. Right. That's what it sounds like to me. Or Asian. I do. Mm-hmm. I don't say samurai jetter because as a kid, I spoke Japanese. It doesn't quite sound like Japanese to me. Right. But yeah, it's it may be Asian. But um, let's see what else. Um, from what I was told, some of them are like, uh, like watchmen. They guard the family groups. Okay. And the people who forage and stuff like that. And right. um, there's some that are telepathic. Some of them can. Honestly, I used to he- I used to hear the electronic locks on my car, unlock and lock. 
we would wake up in the morning sometimes and find the radio in the car was unlocked. The radio in the car was playing a country station. Me and my ex-husband don't do not listen to country. <laughs> Nothing against that, but sure. I just thought yeah, it was, not, it was just float funny. her boat. Was yeah. Like, Why is the radio on? Mm-hmm. God, the battery's almost dead. Did you? Of course, I didn't do that. We were in bed. What are you talking about? You know, but um. And uh, so you attribute that to Sasquatch? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I, I've, at my dad's place, they they could telepathically turn lights off and on. Now, why do you think it was them and not a ghost? Okay, that might be a good point. There are some ghosts on the property too. Okay. My dad's place used to be a homestead, and it, I, my dad actually, I was really surprised to get him to admit this to me, but. When I brought out a K2 meter one time because I knew the place was haunted. I myself have seen what I, I call this guy the lumberjack. He's right. wearing a green and white plaid wool shirt, uh, boots laced up to his knees, handlebar mustache, and his hair's parted down the middle. And I think he's from like the 1880s, 1890s. Um, and when my dad was uh, altering the house, he was adding that band room and adding a bedroom for my brother downstairs. Right. Boy, the lumberjack was riled up, and he was the homeowner of the original homestead, is what my dad and my oh, brother think. wow. And I'm like, I, I was walking down the hall, and I turned around, and I was like, who's the lumberjack? And my brother's like, oh, that's the homesteader. He's okay. He's just kind of riled up because we're altering the house. Yeah, that'll do it. Oh, yeah. So some of the things you're attributing to ghosts, but... Some of the things you're attributing to Sasquatch. Was there a certain type of behavior that the Sasquatch seemed uh, okay. to gravitate towards? They would turn off all the outside lights all the time. Until my, I told, when I told my dad, I was like, tell them why you want the light on. It's, it's in the middle of nowhere, out in the woods. It's right. pitch black. Well, there was a, a young guy who lived with the family, and he had a job and went to school part-time, and he didn't get home till way after dark. And so my dad's like, leave the porch light on so so the kid can find his way into the house. And once he said that to the Bigfoot, they were like, oh, and they quit turning off the porch light. Now, there was a switch that they were hitting? They were doing it telepathically. So they weren't even interacting physically with I, it. Or either that or they were, you know, unlocking the door, reaching their hand in and turning it off and on. Which in itself would be pretty feetful. They, yeah. Okay, the old homesteader and uh, one, two, three, four. Four women have died on the property in the past hundred years. Okay. My stepmother included. She died in the upstairs bedroom. She's not there. Um, believe me, I looked. But um, I was surprised. I thought she'd linger. That was her dream house, but no, right. she's gone. She went, okay, she went to um, the light. But the uh, three females in white nightgowns go running through the upstairs, my dad says. My dad says sometimes he sees the ghost of three white, a woman and two smaller girls in like nightgowns go running through the uh, upstairs. There was a barn on the property, and they died. They burned. They burned up. They went out to try and get their horses. Right. And they died in it. And we—that's what he thinks he's seeing. He's seeing that repeated. You know, it's just a little. Uh, what do you call it? Not the uh, active, like intelligent a, haunting, but the kind that's a like loop. a little film loop. Right, yeah. Like yeah. St- residual haunting. A that's residual, the pro- yes. proper word. A residual. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it, the activity hasn't been much at all in years. But um, but I, I got a inter- some interesting K2 readings from the path that he told me that he'd seen them. I was surprised he admitted it, but he did. What about any demonic stuff? Not that I know of. No. And um, what's your opinion of uh, black spirits, dark spirits? They exist. Okay. I, I, I chased a shadow 
person out of my uh, house in Tucson a couple years ago. It you was, did? Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I got outside and smudged it because I kept seeing a shadow a shadow person. And describe it. Gray, black, shadow of a guy about five eight, okay. and would just lurk in the lurk in the corners, lurk in shadow, and you could just make him out. And I'm like, that's nope, you're not staying here. Would he hug a wall like a shadow would, or was he full dimensional? Is that hard? To I t- only saw him just zip, zip, zip. Okay. I didn't get a real good look at him, but it was like the cor- uh, It's almost like the corner of the, your eye thing, where you see a person, you know, right. move quickly from one spot to another, and it's peripheral, and you're like. What did I just see? Right. Yeah. yeah. Did um, he have a hat on? No. No hat. No, no hat. Just okay. uh, not not enough of identifiable. You know, you couldn't see like he was wearing a trench coat or a short coat. You couldn't. Yeah. But I didn't let him stick around very long either. I was so, like, I don't think so. So <laughs> what, what actions did you take? I uh, smudged sage. And okay. I think I might have spread up some salt around too. Okay. And that did it? Mm-hmm. And so what do you think it is about sage? Uh... I don't know. You'd have to ask some metaphysical <laughs> specialist on that. Nope. Right, because that really is like the raid for ghost, you know, sage and holy black water, salt and holy water. Salt, salt, holy salt. Okay, I'm Catholic, so right. I, I, I go get the good stuff. Um, yeah. If, if I'm having trouble, um, a, a relative of mine was kind of almost a nun. Um, she was a certain degree in a particular order, and she would get me holy water, holy salt, stuff like that. Now, do you keep that on hand? Not anymore. Do, no. You don't I have it. I haven't. I haven't lived in a terribly haunted place in too long. The place I'm at, I'm not really. I'm not even. That's kind of a residual with oh. a with a slight feeling of intelligence. Yeah, you and I are neighbors here, and you yeah. you were talking about Mr. Grumpy. Yeah, Mr. Grumpy. Okay, tell people okay. what I, what that is. I bought the house a few years ago, and a couple months after I bought it, it was a really nasty, like late November rainstorm, and I was curled up in bed with my with my Kindle. I was reading a book. It was cold. I wasn't getting out of bed, you know? I was just goofing off. And all of a sudden, I hear my uh, side of the house door open and someone with hard-soled shoes clomp, 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 walking into my house. I hear the door open. I hear it shut. I jump up. I run run down the hall. Nothing. Doors closed. Locked. And it was pouring. So whoever it was would have left wet footprints. Mm -hmm. Nada. And I was like, oh, okay then. I was like, I, I was wondering if that was going to be the start of activity, but just here and there, things not being in the place where they belong occasionally, not right. terribly often. And late at night, sometimes hearing, like, someone moving around, and light switches turning off and on. You hear them click, click, turning off and on, but they don't actually turn off and on. Oh, so it's like a mimic. Mm-hmm. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, I'll hear, like, the kitchen light come on, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like... Okay. Does it mimic other sounds, like uh, loud sounds? Uh, I've heard some creepy creaking, but I really mm-hmm. couldn't tell if that wasn't, you know, humidity and temperature related. Right. You know, normal, normal atmospheric things about old houses. Right. But, yeah. But he did get riled up when I started threatening to kick out the bathroom wall and combine it with another room. <laughs> so the house changing, is that a catalyst for activity? Does that amp things up? Well, the house had been a rental, so maybe it's it was different because I was an owner. It had been right. a rental for like twenty some years, and um, you know I was making some big changes. I dug up all the flower beds. The flower beds were gone; they were embedded in the lawn. I dug them back up. I, you know, yeah. you see you you see lilies and stuff poking up out of the grass. You know that was a flower bed. You know, on the edges of the yard. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I think he's happy with me. I don't think he liked it when I first painted the house, but mm-hmm. um, he had it brown and white, and I thought it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> Did you talk to him before you yes. painted it? Yes. Really? Oh, I, I talked to so him So that's sometimes. how comfortable you are with things, because, you know, here I talk about this every week at least with somebody, and I still roll my eyes at myself when I do something like talk to a ghost or talk to, you know, the woods. and. Uh, I... Have I years ago when I was stationed in Key West, I had a haunted apartment, and yeah, I did. I I, I had screaming matches with her. Um, <laughs> she was psycho. Um, it was an old lady. It was an old house, at least a hundred years old, and it'd been cut into two or three apartments. And the guy who lived in the bigger section, which was like a two-bedroom, two-bath section of the house, right. he swore there was nothing going on in his house. But he played classical music at a medium volume, even when he was asleep. Okay, what's the link with that? I'm trying to figure out the oh, link. Oh, the, the place was haunted. Oh, he so. was keeping music on so we didn't hear her. As he's trying to drown out activity. Yeah, I think so. Like someone with a fan at yeah, night. Yeah, okay. he was, and I found out later that the apartment I rented in like 15 or 20 years, no one had lasted past three months in there, and most people moved out in the middle of the night throwing all their stuff in the car and running for it. Wow. My neighbors told me this. Wow. And the, and they were like, I, I lived there a whole year before the rental company decided, oh, maybe the place isn't haunted anymore. Let's double the rent and, jet, and throw her out. Wow. Yeah, that's what they did. But, I mean, I would watch, uh, well, just things disappearing, literally. You would turn your back and something was gone. And then you'd find it months later. Like, one time I was, my makeup would start disappearing. She'd screw with my makeup. And then one day I was standing in the kitchen washing dishes, and I'm about to drop something in the dish strainer. And all of a sudden, I hear it go clunk. This tube of mascara I lost months ago just drops in the dish strainer. Out so of thin air. It apports yeah. through space and yeah. time. Yeah. Drops and right in front of you. And I'm just like, oh, you rat. Yeah. But yeah, I, I threatened her with an exorcist and, and she so settled Robin, down. So, Robin, did when it dropped your mascara, let's say it, it dropped in the way you said it did, did you watch it? No, come through a portal? no. I just saw, other, uh, again, okay. I was washing dishes and yeah. I saw it out of my peripheral vision. I saw something do this. Right. And at the same time, I saw something go downward, you know, a clunk. And then I look and it's, you know, still kind of rolling around. And I'm like, I look at it, I'm like, that's a mascara I lost three months ago. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, uh, the neighborhood cats that I used to feed and hang out with on my front porch would not come in my house ever. They wouldn't ever cross the threshold. The hair would go up on them. Oh, they knew better. Yeah, they knew better. <laughs> and then, okay, and then I had to leave a key with my neighbor. I was stationed on a boat, and I'd be out for a month or two months sometimes, and every light in my apartment would come on. Click! All at once. And my neighbor who, uh, people would use their, they would screen in a porch, and they would use it as their living room in places like Key West where electricity is really expensive. You had a screened in porch and it was it was your living room. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'd sit out there watching TV and stuff and she was sitting there one day watching TV and watched all the lights in my house turn on by themselves while I was out at sea. And lucky for me, I was only on a shakedown cruise and I came back in a day or two. That would have killed me, the electric bill. Oh, sure. But um, I gave her a key after that because, and my phone would start ringing in the middle of the night. And not stop. One time my phone rang for two weeks straight and it drove them nuts. <laughs> they were going to kill me. Yeah. Wow. So your phone while you were gone would just ring and ring nonstop and for it days. did it for two for days. weeks? Yeah. 
I mean, I think they had to call the phone company because I was out at sea. I didn't know. And she was just like, please leave us a key. This is, we're going to have to break a window the next time because, you know, it, it rang day and night. Now, why go through all the effort to pull a trick like that? What, what do you think is going on with them that they would spend so much time and energy? I think she, she was trying to, she had driven everybody else who'd ever stayed there out. She was trying to drive me out. And at first or, I was too stupid to catch what was going right. on because I was hardly ever there. Or have people there. turn against you. You know, as far as your phone ringing. Yeah, well, yeah. she would also stand over me while I slept, and I would see her shadow. Mm-hmm. She was an old lady with finger wave, you know, the hairstyles from the 1920s and 30s, and not quite cat's eye glasses, because right. that's what I would see in her shadow. Yeah. And it would be so cold you could see your breath when she was acting up like that. Ooh. And she would just stand over me while I was sleeping, staring at me. Nice. And I'm like... It's like, if you don't let me get some sleep, I'm definitely calling in an exorcist. Yeah. And that's when we kind of came to an agreement. (laughs) What was the agreement? She wouldn't keep me up all night and trash my house, and I wouldn't call in an exorcist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you grew up, did you grow up with Catholic roots? Yeah, right. So you would, would, did any family members ever lean on a priest to come do the cleansing? Might have been here and there. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. Um, there were even priests and nuns in the family prior generations. Okay. They were a bunch of women were nuns. I didn't know that till recently. Uh, I found the map. I can't see the master list of penguins, and my mother will slap me. The master but, um, list of penguins. One of the one of the great great mm. aunts who was a nun actually wrote to my great grandmother a letter, um, because she had daughters that were going to school. And she wrote her a letter with all the family members who were nuns, what order they were in, what they taught, you know. Right. Things like that. And their addresses in case any of the girls wanted to be a nun. You never thought of it? Oh, good God, no. But, yeah, <laughs> I know. Because um, you got a lot to say. I mean, a nun's kind of confined to just the abbey. Nowadays, yeah. a lot of these were Wild West nuns. And they were they were running their own parish, and they were going okay. in and breaking up fights in bars. And Damn. yeah, um, now I don't know Spaghetti if any Western of, I don't know here. if any of mine were, but right. but knowing my family, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Well, nuns on the run with machine a- a- guns. Actually, my the one nun that we all that I my family still has memory of. Her name was Sister Susanna, and she wore like the the flying nun type habit. Yeah, and. Actually, she was a real sweetie. She worked at orphanages in school, and she loved little kids. My mom said, he said, if any time you were feeling bummed, go go curl up with Sister Susanna, and she'd read you a story and make you feel better. Oh. She was really sweet. So they didn't all have uh, yeah. a whip in their hand and a Yeah, no, she was really sweet. Tie. I've actually run into people, well, uh, 20, 30 years ago, people who'd been her student, uh-huh. and they'd all had nice things Good to memories. say about her. They were like, yeah, yeah. they were like, they were like, she was like kind of the mom to everybody, you know. <laughs> what about, um, you know, you, you describe being out in on the Pacific with the Coast Guard there, and you would have sightings of strange lights in the sky or underwater. That was actually in the Caribbean, but yeah. Okay. I We saw weird lights. I think St. Elmo's Fire. I've seen a St. Elmo's Fire before. What is, rolling which is, up the which mass. Which is what? what Balls is, of light. Un- unexplainable or explainable? Explainable. It's, it's a scientific phenomenon. It's okay. weather, but it's creepy. It's okay. really creepy. Um, balls of what color were they? Whitish to orange balls of light running up the masts. Okay. Running up the anything metal. They were running up the rigging, the mast, things like that. Saint Elmo's fire. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. And how far off would that have been? I mean, and how big are these balls of fire? The size size of like a kid's dodgeball ball. Okay. Red rubber ball. All right. Um, Only saw that like once, just one day. And I don't remember if that was, you know, something really specific, like we were right before the category four or five hurricane came, you know. But um, that, and I've heard some of the weird noises they talk about, these screeches and stuff like that. Oh, you've heard the horn screechy sounds? Yes. We were adrift. We were... We were adrift hanging out in a spot, Bahama Bank, no, no, Quesal Bank, weird stuff off Quesal. Right. Um, and we were, sometimes you could even hear whale sounds. It was quiet enough if, if they were just running the, the bare generators to, uh, right. you know, keep, keep power, keep the engines sure. awake, but not, you know, really running. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, we, uh, oh. Okay, I nav- I was a navigator too at the time on that boat. I navigated, and I have seen radios and compasses go nuts. And as a radio operator, you sail into the spot, and all of a sudden, and your radios go dead silent. You can't hear anything. You you can't you can't talk to anybody. And I would finally have to call up to the bridge and go. We need to move. 10 knots, 20 knots, any direction, but get us out of here. This is a dead spot. They're all over the Caribbean. So what would that be caused from? Uh, it could be magnetic mm-hmm. activity under the Earth's crust. There's weird places in the uh, Caribbean that they've got readings off that from. Okay. Yeah, it was it was weird. It, first time it happened, it was creepy. We actually used to keep charts and mark where these places were, but they moved. Some of them didn't, but some of like them moved. Like no-go zones. Well, it's like... They would write in the margins of a chart, no mm-hmm. communication, no no incoming signal, radar acts funny, you know, stuff like that. Now, would you see strange lights associated with that? I don't know. No, don't, nothing I, rings I, yeah, to mind. No. What about I, missing vessels? Did things go missing out in those areas? Yes. Like what? Um, the occasional freighter. Okay, something, yeah. something Aircraft. not Aircraft. small. But... It's a major traffic zone, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure how much of what's considered the Bermuda Triangle type uh, missing cases. I don't know how many of them are just regular stuff that happens in a high traffic part of the ocean. Right. I mean, that's major aircraft routes. Right. You know how many aircraft I work ditching over the Caribbean? Mayday, yeah. mayday, mayday! I'm ditching in the water. And especially if your radio goes out, you just have to ditch. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes these guys were around the Bahamas. I worked at least six of them. Now, what do you Only think, one of them lived. What do you think about people that have described going uh, through a place like the Bahamas or the Bermuda Triangle, and they describe seeing a distortion in the cloud that almost turns into the, a funnel, an electric fog tunnel, where these planes are being scooped in and time is being distorted, space. What do you think of that? Potentially it could happen. I didn't witness any of it. I've heard of some weird stuff, but ex- except except for the dead zones and our instruments going nuts, right. I didn't witness anything beyond that. Okay. Yeah. And you didn't get any briefing or any scuttlebutt from the Coast Guard on phenomena like this? Well, I got it from the other radioman because they pulled out the chart and said, these are the ones we know about. You need to know about these because okay. you can't talk to anybody. You have to leave the spot to communicate with anybody, in or out. You couldn't receive anything you couldn't transmit. And there was no explanation why that would happen. Well, okay, for transmit, I assume, uh-huh. because it's something with the atmosphere, your signal's bouncing all over the place and just not, you know, not going right. where you wanted it to. But um, 
but <laughs> receiving that was propagational effects, and that's not too unusual. But there was always bad propagation in the places where these dead zones mm-hmm. were. Propagation is how radio waves, uh, as the hams would call it, skip. How they bounce through the atmosphere and where they come down. And we have some pretty standard formulas for how that works, but Mm -hmm. sometimes things... Oh, sunspots can have an effect on this, too. Okay. Yeah, sunspot activity. And can you predict a sunspot? Well, the Air Force grad... Oops, that might be classified. What do you What do you think about? Uh, I don't have to have you speak on a classified basis, but we're living in a uh, age of disclosure. You know, back in 2017, they released this article in the New York Times. They find out that there's this intensive program through the Pentagon, the USS Nimitz, which is now docked about 30 minutes from us. Actually, up mm-hmm. in the town of Bremerton is the the ship of choice to see what is called the Tic Tac UFO. Mm -hmm. Now we have commanders talking about it publicly. Someone has hit the ghost switch as far as there being uh, some kind of soft disclosure. Yes. What do you think about that? And uh, maybe you have some inside knowledge on what's next. At at a guess, I think maybe people are tired of covering it up. Okay. Um, Okay. I actually have some experience with military UFO stuff. Um, I one I saw one myself as a as a as a nine or ten year old in San Diego. Um, we used to go down to Mission Bay and watch the Blue Angels practice over Mission Bay. Me and my brother. And one day there was this silver diamond shaped thing, super super bright. I'm not even sure if it was really silver, and it was zigzagging around the sky. And one of the Blue Angels decided to try and catch it, and couldn't. And that's when we realized that wasn't like a training drone right. or anything else. And we, um, they were zipping around trying to chase it, and it kept evading them until all of a sudden they got called RTB. They got called back to base. It's like, nope, you don't get to play with that. Get out of there. <laughs> and then we went home, and we told our parents. And, of course, my mother makes fun of us. And it was on the newspaper, the headline of the newspaper the next morning. My brother saved that paper for years, UFOs over San Diego. Wow. This was in 1971, two. Okay. But um, that was one. That's the one I've seen myself. Um, and then uh, I flew up to Alaska on vacation to visit my grandmother, who worked on an oil rig, but at the time she was down in Fairbanks. And I flew into a base at Anchorage, and or near Anchorage, and I think it was... Not the Navy base, the Air Force base. And I used to fly Mac flights all the time, military space, a cargo planes. And um, as I was checking with the ops desk to see when a return flight going back to Seattle was, um, they were openly speaking about the crazy UFO night the night before. The operations desk people. And I was like, okay. You guys are speaking openly about UFOs? <laughs> and they were like, if you don't believe in UFOs, spend a week here sometime. Oh, training their, grounds. Their CO was tired of getting told it didn't exist, and he, yeah. was, he, was, he was publishing. He was making stuff public. He might have gotten relieved. Um, <laughs> but I was just amazed. And um, then um, I was stationed in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and one of my Falcon jets, Coast Guard, our version of fast intercept, uh, aircraft. They were lurking off Cuban airspace looking for drug runners and something happened. It involved a UFO. 
I believe the power on the plane was turned out and they couldn't get it back on for a few minutes. And uh, the crew, the pilot ordered the crew that they could not speak about it. But they came back white and shaking. Wow. They were scared. Sure. I mean, the, the radio operator on the plane was kind of a friend, and he said, oh, my mm. God, you wouldn't believe what happened. And that's when the pilot stuck his head in and said, not another word or you're on report. And we were like, I kept trying, but he's like, nope, mm-hmm. nope, I have to work with this guy. Nope, I can't tell you nothing. Right. But um, we might have had a UFO thing or two over uh, Gitmo a couple times, but I didn't see it. I didn't, he- I didn't know much about it. Where's what? Where's Gitmo? Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the <laughs> I knew it rang a bell, but mm-hmm. we haven't spoken about it since two thousand and two or three. I know, I know. All right, Gitmo. Big Anka Navy base in Cuba. Is that still there? Yes, it is. Yes, we still got Al Qaeda, and God knows who's else sitting in maybe Gitmo. A hand, maybe a handful. Yeah, they've released most of them to countries that would take them right. after. They do so many years staring right. at staring at the Iguanas. We keep the Nazis, but we send back Al Qaeda. That's the way our government works here. So just so we're clear on that. Um, well, these are all incredible stories, and I appreciate you sharing them with me. I knew that you had a lot to offer as far as the paranormal and the supernatural, and I think we probably only scratched the surface. Thanks, Robin. Again, Robin X, Coast Guard Insider. Right down the rabbit hole, as promised, we'll have her back on, of course. All right, I have to thank Not Your Normal News, Kevin Ian Beagle of Paradox Media. We did a remote, actually, from the Manresa Castle. You can check that out on Facebook. It's on a loop. Just go check out Not Your Normal News. Type in Kevin Ian Beagle. It's a call-in show. It's live. It's video format, audio format. He's an ex-radio junkie, so I lean on him once in a while with some tech questions. Again, check out Strange Familiar's podcast as well. And go to the Castle NPT, the Castle INPT, to get your ticket for the Halloween party coming up on the 26th. And the day before, absolutely free, go to my website. Go check out Strange Brow Radio.